0: I am Matt Williamson. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino. You know what time it is? It's time for football and time to jump into the action at FanDuel Sportsbook and Lounge at Live Casino. Bet on your favorite teams at our self-service kiosks and sit back and watch the players duke it out on the field on our massive 40-foot video wall. Bet, watch, and win at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I told you I was hurting a little bit for content, and this is not going to be a very Steelers-centric pod, but we are at the beginning of November. We're at the halfway point of the NFL season, and I noticed on ESPN.com, my former employer, I was there for 10 years, by the way, um, that Bill Barnwell put out his awards at the mid-season mark. So I just kind of wanted to buzz through those, the first half of this podcast, and then I'm going to do my playoff predictions where everyone stands. And try to throw a little Steeler spin on it too. So his comeback player of the year, which I think is kind of a dumb award. I mean, if you come back from a major injury, fine. But sometimes people come back from being bad. <laughs> I think it's kind of goofy. Third place, he is Zadarius Smith, who's coming in huge for the Vikings right now. Geno Smith at two, who I think has a extremely strong case because he's really been a top ten quarterback on more or less a top ten team. I think that is the definition of coming back from being a backup to that point, but he has Saquon Barkley at one who's basically been the best running back in the league. Uh, also coming back from a major injury. I have no fight with that. I also don't really like this award, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but all those guys have a strong case Barkley and Gino in particular. I really like here um, coach of the year. And I meant to say this at the beginning of the podcast. No Steelers are going to be mentioned on any of these awards, which in itself is <laughs> says a lot, to <laughs> say the least. Um, his third-place finisher is the Jets' Robert Sala. I'm on board with this, too. I mean, they just beat the Bills. Their offensive line has had an unbelievable string of injuries, and their quarterback isn't good. I mean, Zach Wilson didn't play terrible last year, or last, last week, this past week, but the Jets are winning games... Beating the Bills, based on Sala's defense, it's very 49er-like. And we're going to have a lot of Jets talk here. Some of it's encouraging, actually, for the Steelers going forward. Uh, Mike McDaniel, another team that the Steelers lost to with Miami, is second on this list. Um, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Transformed the offense. I really think he's an elite offensive mind, as we talked about with Steeler-Dolphin week. What he's done with Tua is tremendous as well. And then he has Nick Sirianni with the Eagles as the number one coach of the year candidate. I'm cool with that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're going to probably win 15 games. They're undefeated at the moment. Sure, that's a pretty strong case for coach of the year. However, a name that's not on here, and we kind of mentioned it with Geno Smith, is the Seattle's uh, Pete Carroll. I, I, I thought that was one of the bottom five rosters in the league last year, This coming into the year. So I'm giving Pete Carroll my vote. I mean, Sirianni with the Eagles is a very strong candidate, obviously. But Pete Carroll, to me, is right at the top of the list. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Devin Lloyd of the Jaguars. Remember we talked a lot about Steelers-Jags preseason that that front seven is better than you think. Devin Lloyd is third on his list. He's been really good start to finish this year. One of the very few come-in-the-league, second-level true linebackers that have adjusted right away and haven't been manipulated and beat up on. So that's very encouraging for Jacksonville. Another Seahawk here. And, folks, some of these teams, Jets, Seahawks, come to mind. And why I say this is bringing a good rookie class like these guys did, and I'm talking about the Steelers a year from now, things can look a lot different in black and gold. And so number two on the defensive list is Tariq Woolen, who it shocked me that he lasted to the fourth round. He's an ungodly size-speed combination, and he has been phenomenal. Obviously, those Seahawk corners – starting with like Richard Sherman. They love this type, and he is perfect for there and has had a phenomenal rookie season. I was shocked he fell there. I mean, to the mid-rounds, that makes me crazy, to be honest with you, especially at that position. But someone running away with Defensive Rookie of the Year honors is Sauce Gardner with the Jets. A lot of Jets stock here. They had three first-round picks. Sauce was the first. He's outstanding. He's been a major reason why they've you know been as good as they are. Steelers could easily get the next Sauce Gardner in the draft next year, guys. Easily. Um, offensive Rookie of the Year. So here's one that I guess the Steelers still have a chance at. Could pick it, get in this conversation. Well, he's a long ways away now, and he came in late to the party, of course. But the position he plays gives him a leg up over just about anyone. He actually took over about the same time Baker Mayfield took over in Baker's rookie year. And Baker ended up beating out Saquon Barkley for Rookie of the Year which I didn't agree with, but I understood. Um, could Pickett do the same, I don't want to say there would be empty calorie wins, but if you remember Mayfield, they, they started winning a lot of games in the second half of the season. They actually played a very easy slate of games and build a lot of momentum that way. I mean, again, rook, end of rookie year Baker is a lot different perception than this not, than now Baker. Can Pickett win five or six more games, build momentum, be the offensive rookie of the year. I think that's possible. He's not closer at the moment. Here are the candidates now. Damian Pierce for the Texans is three. He would be my vote. Uh, he's been great start to finish. I think he would be my rookie of the year right now on the offensive side of the ball because there's so little around him too. And he is the whole offense. Uh, Jets, again, Garrett Wilson is number two on this list. And they probably would have had number one in Brees Hall if he would have stayed healthy, who was an early second-round pick. You know who has two early second-round picks? The Steelers next year. So, could I mean, I mean I'm not saying the Steelers are going to have a Hall-Wilson-Sauce-type first three picks, but it's not the craziest thing in the world. And the Jets had three guys right in the mix for offensive or defensive rookie of the year. Garrett Wilson being two, he's a stud. Um, a guy we're going to see next week is Barnwell's pick here with Chris Alave of the Saints. Really, really good player. Really good rookie year. I would still put Damian Pierce ahead of him. Uh, Walker for Seattle hasn't played enough to be in this conversation. Running back, again, a lot of Seattle talk, a lot of Jets talk. Uh, He would also be in the mix for me as well. Defensive player of the year, unfortunately, I do think the Steelers would have someone that fits this bill, the reigning defensive player of the year in T.J. Watt. Of course, that is shot. He has no chance at it at this point. Um, I also think Minka could win this award someday. I mean, who knows? His, his number three candidate, and there's two names that are are not listed here. I don't know how you don't list Aaron Donald every year, Uh, and he was really good this past week as well, but he did not make Barnwell's top three. Miles Garrett wouldn't be at the top of the list for me either, but I think he could throw the name out there at least. Um, Pat Sertain for the Broncos is number three on this list. Pat Sertain was the 10th, 9th, something like that, overall pick just a year ago. This is his second season. Could the Steelers take a corner at, 8, 9, 10 overall and him being the defensive player of the year conversation one year from now. Sure. What's the difference? I mean, it's possible. Again, I'm just laying things out for you folks. Nick Bosa is two. I'm fine with that. Total superstar. I think Nick Bosa is right there with Watt and Garrett and as the elite edge rushers in the league. But to me, I agree with Barnwell that Micah Parsons is running away with this honor. Uh, he is the best defensive player on the planet right now and what a difference maker he is. Offensive player of the year. I don't really like this award. I like that he's doing it this way, though. Offensive player of the year, to me, should not be a quarterback because uh, they always win MVP. He has Diggs from the Bills at three. He has Nick Chubb at two. He has Tyreek Hill at one. Um, I think Derrick Henry has a conversation there. I think Cooper Cup does. I'm not sure the Rams would ever score another point if it wasn't for Cooper Cup. side note. But I do agree it's Tyreek Hill. If you were listening to Steelers Dolphins previews podcast we did, his numbers are historically good, and they have not slowed down. And to be honest, the, the team that did the best against Hill was the Steelers. I mean, that's, that's the one of the team that bottled him up the most. So give the Steelers a little credit once in a while. MVP, he has Josh Allen at three. He has Jalen Hurts and Pat Mahomes. Looks like he has them tied for one. Um, I think that's kind of the short way out of this. I think Allen losing yesterday would make him an easy three for me, where it has to be down to Mahomes, who has less around him this year, obviously, without Tyreek, who we just talked about. But I'm giving it to Hurts. Undefeated's pretty hard to beat. I think Mahomes and Allen are better than Hertz, but their resumes this year, I think Hertz should be the MVP. Um, taking a quick break, and then I'm gonna make my seven, my division winner predictions at the midway point. You know who I think will finish the season on top of each division, as well as the wild card team. All right, we are back. Pulled up the standings. Uh, To pull back the curtain, I'm recording this Monday afternoon, so I don't know what happened in Raven Saints. Maybe the Saints blow their doors off, and all of a sudden, I think, you know, they could win the South. Possibility. Maybe Baltimore looks terrible, and I think that they're in worse shape than I'd imagine. But going off this without knowing the uh, outcome of that game. So in the East... The Bills are 6-2, and two, but both their losses are to divisional foes that also have six wins. You know, the Jets and Dolphins are both 6-3, and three, and the Bills' losses are to those two teams. I still think the Bills win the division. They're the best team in the division, but that's noteworthy. I still think the Ravens win the North. I hope tonight's game doesn't make that sound foolish. But if you look at the Ravens' schedule, which I've talked about many times, It's ridiculously easy. So even if they did stumble against the Saints, they'll get healthier and I think they'll end up winning the North. You got to pick the Titans in the South. I mean, they just lost to the Chiefs, but they didn't complete any. (laughs) This is mind boggling to me. Sunday night football in Kansas City, like the hardest place to play in the league. They lost by three points in overtime to the Kansas City freaking Chiefs. Without completing a pass to a wide receiver. I mean, without a quarterback throwing the ball hardly at all in mean, Malik Willis. This is a tough-minded, extremely well-coached team. I, I said it on my other podcast, Peacock and Williamson, that Chuck Knoll and Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would love the Titans, the way that they're constructed. And I give them credit. I don't think they're a contender, but in a bad division, I think they win it without much hesitation. I also think the Chiefs clinch the West. Um, The Chargers quietly are only one game behind them, um, despite a lot of injuries. So the Chargers are going to be one of my three wildcard teams in the in the AFC. I can't see one coming out of the South. I think the Bengals get in in the North as well. And then I'm torn between the Jets and Dolphins, but I trust the Dolphins more. Better quarterback. I mean, it comes down to that. Dolphins' defense wasn't great, but I think it'll get better. Jets' defense is great. So my three wildcard teams are going to be Miami, Cincy, and the Chargers. That's a pretty strong seven teams to get in in the AFC. And frankly, the Steelers are well behind all those right now. Uh, NFC... I think Dallas is really good, and they're only two games behind the Eagles, but Philly still wins that division going away. And as mentioned before, they're probably going to win 15 games, if not more. So (laughs) pretty good. Um, The North now isn't even competitive. I mean, Minnesota is 7-1. No one else has more than three wins. I mean, the Packers are a disaster. Uh, The Vikes are going to moonwalk into the, the division crown here in the North. Now, I don't know about the South. I really wish I could see the Saints game before saying this. But I'm going to say Tampa. Ugh, every team in the South right now has a negative point differential. That's so bad. And no one has a winning record. Even if the Saints win, they'll only be 4-5, and five, which would tie them with Atlanta and Tampa. I don't think Tampa is a contender. But getting that win against the Rams is big. And I think that they are sort of figuring things out to the point where they can win a bad division. The West I said a lot of good things about Seattle. And right now they are six and three. San Francisco is four and four. I think the Niners are the better team though. I think the Niners eventually win that division, but they got to do a little bit of climbing out of that spot on, honestly, at four and four. I think they will. I think with McCaffrey, they're really hard to play against. They're, They might have a much better second half of the season than first. So I got Niners, Bucks, Vikes, Eagles winning the divisions. Now, wild cards on this side are brutal. Like, I think Dallas is in. I mean, Dallas is a really good team. I think Dallas might be the fourth best team in the league. They're going to the playoffs. Unfortunately, the team above them is brutal. So they're not going to probably win the division. But I think they're the five seed I don't really like any of these other teams. You know, like, here's the candidates to me. The Rams and Cardinals are not candidates to me. The Packers are not a candidate to me. So that kind of only leaves the Saints, which, again, I wish I saw what they were doing. The Giants, who have a plus six point differential, but they're six and two. I mean, probably have to win four more games to get in and they don't have a tough schedule. And Seattle, who's six and three. I like Seattle's chances and I guess the Giants. But what that tells me, if the exception of Dallas, who I probably will pick, if this all plays out, they would play the worst division winner, which I guess would be Tampa. I think they would stomp Tampa. But those other two wildcard teams to me aren't really competitive in, in the in the NFC. So The NFC is a pretty easy path to the Super Bowl, especially compared to the AFC. So a little bit of Steeler talk here mixed in. Did my best, guys. Kind of keep it local, but uh, kind of a state of the league right now so far and a little bit of predictions. Um, Tomorrow, we will dig into more of Saints talk. Again, excited to watch them tonight. And I'll really start digging into my previews of them tomorrow morning. So that is a wrap. Over and out.